And I'd like to start with a definition. It says, uh, free will is the idea that we're able to have some choice in how we act and assumes that we are free to choose our behaviour. In other words, we are self-determined. For example, um, people can uh, make a free choice whether to commit a crime or not. And the human race has been given this free will and God has created it this way. And Deuteronomy 30, even though we have this free will, God makes very clear as to uh, what direction he would like us to take. Even though he granted us this free will, he makes it very clear. And it says in verse 19 of Deuteronomy 30, it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. You know, when uh, God calls in heaven and earth as a witness, you know that uh, it's a pretty pivotal moment in a person's life. Because uh, heaven and earth will be around for, have seen quite a bit and will be around for quite some time. And seen many civilizations. It says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. It says, therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. In verse 20 goes on, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of days. So we have these uh, four main points that come out of this scripture. The first point here is to love the Lord. And, we have, and we'll look at it later about loving the Lord as the greatest commandment. The second one is to obey his voice with your free will. Love the Lord with your free will. Obey his voice. Number three says, cleave unto him. Cleave unto him. You know, I can't help but visualize uh, a young child sitting on his father's foot and hugging his leg like a koala. We've seen that always happen. The kids love to play on there. And as the father tries to walk with the son on his his ankle. And the Lord's saying, here, cleave unto me. And the last one here is to understand that I am the future of your days. I am the one that will bring eternity into your life. I am the one that will bring hope and a future. But we live in a world that loves this product called freedom, but doesn't love the originator of this word freedom. They believe that they have freedom, but freedom is only you know, controlled by the one that controls life, and that is, and is God. We live in a, a society that is compulsive. We live in a society that is obsessive. Um, you know, uh, whatever we get given, we kind of covet over it, whether it be the digital world, I don't know whether it be our hobbies, whether it be our job and career. We're an obsessive um, and easily you know, prone to addiction kind of a society. If you were to Google how many addictions there are these days, um, I don't think they would know a number, to be honest with you. I tried to Google it, but there was nothing kind of uh, real. It was in the th- tens of thousands of addictions that people have. And that's you know, the kind of society that we live in. We live in a world that's lost its moral compass. See, with free will, we get to choose what we see as right and wrong. When we go left, when we go right. And we live in a world that has lost its moral compass. It is addicted to just about everything that we throw at it. We waste our days, we are time poor, because we have so many choices of the things that we can take, decisions we can make. You would spend five minutes on Facebook scrolling for five minutes and it could take you in about 30 different directions. From buying something you don't know, um, you know, to uh, 
giving a false image of things, which is a big part of our society, this false expectation of how a person should look, how a person should think, um, how a person should act. And we become very distracted as a society. And, uh, and at the end of it, it starts to ruin uh, even the core of who we are. Number one, it starts to break down families because it starts to take on values that are not of God um, through these choices. And we become time poor and eventually it pours into society. Of uh, If we were to take a, a, you know, a number of how many children there are in this world uh, that haven't got committed parents, um, you know, it would be a very sad number to look at. And they, and they kind of uh, walk this earth without direction, without any understanding and no wisdom. And uh, I guess we kind of do we blame God, you know, for uh, the fact that he gave us free will choice? You know, to one man is given a piece of rope and he uses it to uh, throw it into the water to save life. And to another man with the same piece of rope, he strangles a person and takes his life from him. And that comes from free will. Do we blame God? Are we flawed? Did God make a mistake in giving us this free will? And of course not. We are unique. We are one of a kind. If there is a relationship to be had, it must be based upon free will. What's the point of a relationship if uh, it's all programmed? If you wake up in the morning, remember Pastor Darrell used to say, you know, uh, that the, you know, the wife will have the slippers ready and, and have all the meal organised and things. But what's the point of it if she had no other choice? And how can we express our love and our affection unless we have free will? And, and this is what God you know, wanted from us. And so we're going to look at the scriptures about how early in the peace did this come, this free will choice. And, we, and of course, it doesn't take too far. In Genesis chapter 2, we're going to read. You'd like to turn there. In Genesis 2, in, in verse 16, it says, The Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, we know the story. So I'm not going to go through the whole story. If you are new here today, and it's a, a good kind of point to talk about some of these scriptures later on, we can have a bit of a chat and sit down. But in verse 16, the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, thou mayest eat, freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge, of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. From the thou thou shalt eat as thereof, thou shalt surely die. Did God know that they would eventually take of the tree? Absolutely. God knows everything. There's nothing hidden from God. He knew eventually that they would take from it and they'd understand the difference, this free will. But God desired more than anything to have this free will choice placed within us. God desired to have a relationship with us. It wasn't an afterthought. God formed man from the dust of the earth and we got a pretty good rendition of it here last night by Simon uh, with the mime of how God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Did he have to do that? Not really, he is God. He can do what he likes. But he chose to form man out of the dust of the earth so he could have a relationship with that man. That he would give man that free will choice. That this would be a special relationship. Not, not like any other relationship. He created a lot beforehand, but he formed this with, with the work of his hands. Did God get lonely and say, oh, maybe I want to make myself uh, someone to talk to? Absolutely not. It was all part of the plan. And we read, you know, God's story, getting a bit of understanding about, um, you know, the way that God thinks. He, and, he, and it was read last night, it said, it is not good that a man should be alone. 
It is not good that man should be alone. That's God's thought. It is not good that man should be alone. And we get a bit of an insight how God thinks. God values relationship. God taught us relationship through this, through this thought here. In John 15 we read, um, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. I have chosen this way. I have chosen to have a relationship with you. I've chosen to form you. I've chosen you to give you free will choice that you would eventually choose me, that you would cleave unto me. So I guess we're not like the lion. The lion is either, I don't know, he's either uh, sleeping or eating. Maybe some of us are like that, but we shouldn't be. He's either sleeping or eating. He is programmed in a certain way. A lion doesn't have ambition, you know. Uh, the lion, if you were to plug into his thought, he wouldn't be thinking about uh, his superannuation or he wouldn't be thinking about uh, holidays or relocation or upgrading. Or That's all part of the human thought. That's all part of the soul of a man, all that free will thought. He doesn't wake up in the morning and say, I might become a vegan today. He is programmed to eat. He is predictable. If there is a line out, don't get out of your car. We don't, you don't meet friendly ones. They are programmed a certain way. We don't, you know, we don't blame uh, the white pointer for taking a man because that's what he's programmed to do. He just sees a man and starts munching until it's all gone and it's in his belly. And so, uh, you know, but we are different to that. We have a choice and that's what makes us different to, to everything else. We are more complicated, man. We are almost drunk with choice. We are confused by opinion and it's just thrown at us that it stifles us, it stuns us, um, it stuns our growth in the Lord sometimes if we're not clear about uh, what we should be thinking, if we're not well connected to the Lord, if we're not using the spirit within us to make clear you know, uh, decisions about what God wants us to think, what God thinks of the situation. It will hold us up for months and even years if we're not uh, proactively cleaving unto the Lord, searching his will and being about his business. In Luke chapter 6, we go to that. We'll just quickly read this one scripture, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, For a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another translation reads in the last part, For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. Another translation reads, what you say flows from what is in your heart already. And so if our heart is not completely taken up by uh, being in a part of God's plan and a part of what God wants from us, then other things can fit in to our heart. If our heart is only half full, three-quarter full, then other things can come in and eventually they'll come out of our mouth. It would be a scary thought if you were to take a self-evaluation of where you are today to play and a recording device about all of your conversations for the week and, and put it in your pocket and go through all your conversations and all your thoughts and all your reactions and play it back to yourself at the end of the week. It says whatever your heart is full of will come out of your mouth. That's not to condemn. I guess it is serious in the sense of, uh, you know, 
the Lord tells us it's life or death. That part is serious, absolutely. We don't speak these things to condemn anybody, but it is serious business. It is serious business. We had a presentation of heaven and hell, life or death. There's no middle ground. And the Lord is saying here, he gives us these, you know, these few points to say, make sure you choose life. And choosing your life is making your heart completely full with God's thought. That's choosing life. In Matthew 19, we'll read about the rich man. And this is where life gets, again, complicated. In Matthew 19 and verse 16, talking about this young rich man here, it says, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I shall have eternal life? And verse 21, we just kind of skip through it so we can get through a bit more. Jesus said unto him, If thou be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man had heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. That was a perception. He perceived in his own life that he had great possession, that he was a rich man. That's a perception. That's not a reality. In verse 23, And uh, then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of God. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, when, uh, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. If you turn your heart towards God, if you use your free will to draw you closer to God, all things shall be possible to those people. All things shall be possible. Verse 27, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have there, therefore? And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, um, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 29, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. You won't double what you have. You won't double your riches. You'll get a hundredfold, the Lord says. So this is a perception that the rich man, he sold out. He didn't use his free will choice to kind of draw him closer to God. He had this perception that he was rich. But we can be, you know, we can have this you know, false perception, not just money, but we can be rich in, you know, maybe in popularity. We think we're kind of popular. So we don't want to kind of uh, burn our bridges with our friends and, and we sacrifice God for that reason. And maybe, and I've written down a few things here, maybe status. Maybe we're kind of rich in status. Actually, people know us. And if I kind of lower myself to follow after God and give my whole heart to God and so it comes flowing out of my mouth, at times, you know, uh, I'll be ashamed. I don't want to sell out for that. You know, at times, and I think I've mentioned it before, uh, I do it way too often now, I've, I've become um, attentive to it, that we'll be talking in a business meeting and someone will give me a, you know, a great story about how they prospered or whatever, and I say, oh, praise the Lord. And they'd kind of grunt at me, going, what, you know, 
and I think, oh, and I, and I say, oh, I think, oh, what have I said? And, uh, and I just kind of, and I look for their reaction to hope sure they didn't, you know, uh, you know, think I'm too weird, you know, in it all. Um, but in another way, it makes you feel better that, you know, it's always in, it's always in the tip of your tongue. You're always thinking, you know, uh, you want the best for the people around you and, um, and that's just like your automatic reaction. So sometimes we get rich in our personality, rich in our ability that we sell out to God and we don't follow God. And a lot of these stories, the Lord just moves on. Another party says that the dead bury the dead, you come follow me. And even in this story with the rich man, it doesn't seem like he came back and started to beg him to follow him. He said, well, if that's the way you value things, well, then you've made your choice. You've made your choice. Let's go to uh, Luke 10. Luke chapter 10. And in verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went, they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. This is the Lord. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So we have, well, we know Mary is like the koala. She's at the Lord's feet. She's not moving anywhere without him. The Lord knows she's always there. He can feel her on his ankle. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does I not care my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen. She has made her choice, her free will choice. She has chosen that good part that shall not be taken away from her. The point of the story is, are we preoccupied? Are we preoccupied? Are we, uh, I don't know, in, in, in life, are we preoccupied? Um, you know, you see all these visions of, you know, uh, um, like a photograph with you know, a focus on something very close to us, whether it be our phone or something we're reading, and, and it's blurry in the background. But we're so focused on what's just in front of our, you know, just in front of our nose that we're not looking past what's, you know, what's in the distance. And often I think, you know, sometimes we are so distracted, we've got everything so close to us, and, and the Lord's in the distance, but he's so blurry, we can't see him. Because we become distracted about everything. We're, like we said, compulsive. We're obsessed with everything. We, um, and even in this world, we have no you know, uh, self-control. No self-control. You know, where it comes to murder or, uh, or uh, you know, you know, any kind of vengeance, we have no self-control to hold our tongue, to hold our fist we're, um, when we believe that we're free. But uh, our freedom will eventually bind us. And the choices that we make will eventually bind us. And of course, you know, it's no great you know, wisdom to say that um, there are some choices that we make that will bind us for a lifetime. And then um, maybe there are some of us that are, are feeling that in our life. But fortunate for us, God can break every chain. And that's why he causes us to be born again. Born again with his standard. Born again with his commitment. With his understanding the Spirit of God living within us, that we may be free because of the Son of God. We're going to look at, a, um, we're going to look at an example of the Lord himself, how he had a free will choice and he made the right decision. 
in Matthew 26 we look. It's so important that uh, we have the Lord right here with us, not off in the distance, that we keep the Lord close to us, that we can see his every reaction, that um, we hear his every little whisper. We hear the faintest, or we feel the faintest touch on our arm or on our face as the Lord directs us and leads us by his spirit. God cannot be an afterthought. Oh, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried that now. I'm going to pray to the Lord. As we wake up in the morning, you know, the Lord must be the first thought. If he fills our heart overflowing, he must be the first thought. He's not the thought that we think at 6.30 on a Tuesday night that I'd better get ready for the meeting. Now I'm kind of thinking about the Lord. It can't be that way. We must be consumed by the Lord and consumed by his sacrifice. And I cleave unto him. He is our everything. He's got to be not, you know, he's got to be close. You know, uh, I say within arm's length, but I say, no, we've got to hug him and not let him go. And that's, uh, you know, you know what Mary did here. In verse 37, Matthew 26, this is uh, very well known in the garden. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Do you know there are some decisions that are easy to make because there's no, really, there's no real great circumstance behind them. Whether you eat uh, burgers or fries, you're going to get fat anyway. You might as well eat whatever you like. Or whether you have chicken or fish, fish is probably slightly better for you, but there's no great consequence. It's not going to change, you know, your life expectancy by double by eating uh, fish and chicken. But, uh, but there are some moments in our life where we know they're pivotal and the pressure is on because the consequences are high. And even though we have this free will choice, we need to make the right decision. We can't be blasé. We can't be casual. We must draw upon all that we know to make the right decision at that time. And for the Lord, this was a time for him. And that's why the Lord is the greatest example we have. And how, you know, praise the Lord, how fortunate we are that we have his spirit living inside of us, that uh, it's closer than the internet. The, the knowledge, the understanding, is, it lives within us. It doesn't need Big Pond to connect to. Uh, it doesn't need Telstra to go, come and connect to. We are always connected to the Lord. We can download whatever we want through the example of his son, Jesus Christ. And this was, for the Lord, a big moment. And it it reads here, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. But he's making a decision for all mankind. He has us in mind at at this time. He sees us. He has us in mind. And verse 39, he went a little farther and he fell to his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. So here's the Lord. He has free will choice too. He can choose not to do it, or he can choose to do it. And he expresses that. He says, if it is possible. So he has a choice. Is it possible? But the wisdom in the Lord and the great example it is, he says, but let it be based upon your will, Lord. Let it be based upon your will, not my will. I have a choice. But I want this to be based upon what you want me to do. 
I want to present my body a living sacrifice. That's what we say. The Lord here is saying, I'm actually going to present my body a dying sacrifice, a tortured sacrifice. And verse 30, he cometh to the disciples and findeth them asleep and said unto Peter, what, could you not watch for an hour? He went for support and there was no support for him. He went for help. He went for that reassuring voice. How important is it for us to, to you know, gather that little bit more strength in a pivotal moment in our life when we need to make the right decision? If we do not make the right decision at this point, it's going to affect our life for all time. And at the moment when the Lord was faced with that, he went to the disciples and found them asleep. No support. Verse 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Now we get a little bit of insight. And the Lord says, where do I draw my strength from? He says, the spirit is willing. The spirit knows the way. The spirit has the strength. The spirit will make the right free will choice. But it says the natural will not. Don't trust your natural thought. It will lead you astray. Your choice will lead you away from God. In verse 42, went again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father. So this is the second time he approaches him. If this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time. It's a crazy thought that the Lord is going through such a tough time that he's approached his God, his Father, three times. Now that's a heavy decision. Son of God, made the heavens and the earth, everything at the tip of his fingertips. Is there anyone any more faith in the Lord? No. So this is a heavy decision. Free will choice. What decision will I make here the third time? And I guess, you know, we can relate to that. You know, at times when we are pleading to the Lord, you know, the, my flesh is telling me one thing and uh, it's going to satisfy a part of me, but it's going to leave a residue in me that's going to last for you know, years to come. If I action my vengeance or if I get my, my way back or if I just, you know, do it to make my flesh feel satisfied, um, it's never, you know, it's never completely out of our system. We know what we did. And, um, and the Lord is saying at those moments there is a time when you hug on to me and you pray that your decision you make is based upon the will of God because the will of God will bring life. The will of God will find a way. The will of God will make the impossible possible in our life. Um, and the Lord understands our weakness and you kind of think... Um, you know, uh, at this time here, you have to say the Lord experienced anxiety. He was anxious, approaching his father for three, three times. That uh, this is why he is our great high priest. This is why he is our leader and our captain. This is why, you know, all of our life is about the Lord. And this is why he's this great high priest we read in Hebrews 4 that understands us, understands what we go through, understands the tough decisions we have to make to maintain our identity, to maintain our confidence um, in making the right decision at, at a pivotal time. And uh, that's why he's, he is to be praised. That's why there is nothing else to do on a Sunday but to be here. That's why there is uh, no other book to read than his word. Um, 
That's why, you know, we pray to him because of these moments here where he had us in mind and uh, he was going to go through a horrific physical death and I think there's even more horrific emotional death. You know, we know when we feel shame, uh, guilt for uh, the things that we've kind of done wrong and, uh, and it's kept us up for nights because of the guilt. And here the Lord is taking on the guilt of the whole world and the shame of the whole world um, as a demonstration of his love towards us. In John chapter 6, we're going to, you're going to turn to there, <clears throat> but I'm going to read to you, I think it was uh, sung quite a few times last night, how deep the Father's love for us. The beautiful, I'm going to call it a hymn, but I think it's in our chorus book. But you turn to John 6 and I'll read this too. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. That's our story. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Not my sin upon my shoulders, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. And we think about, you know, the Lord and when he died on the cross, um, he was demonstrating the greatest act of love mankind has ever seen. And in response to that, they were spitting on him. And as the saliva was hanging off his chin and off his nose, what a contradiction that um, on one part this is the greatest act of love, and on the other part well, is the greatest act of disrespect and hate to be spitting upon a man that is dying unjustly. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. His last breath was my first breath. I know it is finished. He says, I will not boast in anything, nor gifts, nor power, nor wisdom. I've written here, not popularity, not riches, not ability. I won't boast in my pride, but I will boast in Jesus Christ. Because without him I have no life. His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. What a great prayer to have, to get uh, all of our thoughts calibrated as to where they should be, how we should be thinking. Um, but in um, John chapter 6, you're there now, aren't you? In verse 53, when the Lord started to talk heavy to the disciples, they had a choice to make. And at times life can get heavy for us and at times the Lord is asking us to do something we don't think we can actually do. Um, we think it's too much for us, too big for us. You know, to forgive for what has happened to me, is, it's, um, it's too big a bite to take. I can't swallow that. But I know if I'm going to carry out the Lord's will, I must swallow it. I must do it to move on. I must do it for my walk. I must do it if I choose life because these are the attributes that and. And the disciples found themselves here. In verse 53, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, 
I say unto thee, except you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And in verse 60, many therefore, verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? In verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? Are you finding it hard to make a decision on this? He says, it is the spirit that quickeneth. And it's the spirit that brings life. It's the spirit that will help you understand, even though it is hard. He says, the flesh profiteth nothing. We hear it again. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And it says in verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And you kind of think, um, how many people have begun the journey with the Lord and come to a pivotal you know, time in their walk and um, through their free will choice have made the wrong decision? And you, you might even say in the last two years, you know, uh, if they all made the right decision and all were in tune with God, we'd actually have this bottom area full. But we'd have to start sitting in the, you know, the aisle. So we can't be too casual about it. That there have been some pretty good people that we thought had great vision and great understanding that are not with us even from two years ago. And he said in verse 67, and I guess it's a question for all of us now, then Jesus said unto the twelve, will you go also? Away, and and uh, and then Simon Peter, you know, where he, he came out with some few corkers. This is a good one, you know. Verse sixty-eight. Then Simon Peter answered him, "Lord, to whom shall we go? Where do you want us to go? I don't exactly understand what you're asking me to do, um, but I trust you, um, and I know that you love me and you're committed to my life." He says, "You have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go?" The issue is. Uh, you know, uh, not so much that, Lord, I understand what you want from me. The issue is, Lord, I need to really dig in. I really need a draw of your spirit to understand what you're asking me to do here. I need your strength to get through this next part. In my heart of hearts, I want to make the right decision. And I want to make my decision based on your will. But, Lord, I need your help on this here. Yeah. And it goes on, it says in verse 69, And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Put here, where is our free will choice leading us? Is it drawing us closer to God or away from God? What are we choosing to do? What are we choosing to do when uh, just in the program of our assembly, what are you choosing to do and choosing to attend? Which plays a, a part in your growth. Um, you know, we, um, we always say, you know, it's good to get to the meetings because it's, a, it's like the minimum... It's like the minimum kind of program that we feel, and we've all agreed that uh, to help you grow in the Lord, that uh, we've set up a time of you know, meetings where maybe we don't have the strength to read the Scriptures or have the strength to pray. Come to the meeting and you'll hear the Scriptures being read. And maybe we don't have the, um, the faith or the confidence to operate the gifts, but come to the meeting and you'll hear them. Avoiding the meetings uh, is... Uh, Making, you know, you're not choosing life by avoiding meetings. The meetings are set up for our growth. And especially now as things, you know, uh, are, are revving up in the world. 
you know, the sign of our, you know, of our society breaking down is enough to bring you in to kind of say that uh, if I don't kind of get uh, my heart full of God's thoughts, then I'm leaving too much room for other thoughts to come in. I've got to be consumed by these thoughts. You know, the, the Lord has this incredible dilemma that he created, he created man with this free will choice. And on one side, they love him and they adore him. They cleave unto him. They thank him for everything in their life. Every good thing comes from God. That's us. And on the other side, they blame him. They hate him. They blame him for everything that's going wrong in their life. They blame him for all of the world's you know, issues. And the Lord sits there in the middle and he, you know, he died for them both, didn't he? And he sits in this dilemma of, I died for all of them, but only part of them are listening to me. And the part that are not in tune with God see that as weakness. God's not doing anything. God's delaying this judgment you speak of. Where is death? I can handle it. Give it to me. You know? And they confuse God's um, grace with weakness. They confuse God's grace with weakness. But we are the ones, we are you know, the ones that go out and we are the ones that promote the Lord. One by word, but mainly by action. One by word, but mainly by action. People watch what you do and they follow the things that you do rather than maybe the things that you say. In John chapter 1. Okay, we'll quickly just get through here. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was a light of men. So now we have a direction to take. We have someone shining a light. We have uh, you know, a path to take with the Lord. In the Scripture, it tells us that we are the light of the world. We are the hope of the world. That uh, we have a responsibility. We're not just, uh, you know, we, we uh, kind of keep to ourselves. No, no, no. We have a responsibility. And um, I don't know. You think about um, you think about all the people you know that we pay in our community to take care of us, whether it be community, you know, uh, the emergency services. You know, they have a responsibility to us, or whether a doctor, they have a responsibility to us to kind of get us on the right path, or uh, our policemen, they kind of have a responsibility to us to keep us safe. You know, if we're being mugged and we just see a policeman watching on, we kind of say, Wait, what are you doing? You don't deserve to have your badge to wear that uniform. You are shirking your responsibility. And we are that same, we have that same responsibility. In our Romans it says, How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We need to bring our free will choice out to the world and show them how to make a good decision, to make the right decision in our workplaces, in our, in our, in our community, amongst our friends, amongst our family. It is our testimony that brings people to the Lord. Firstly, our testimony that brings here. In Luke... Um, Chapter 10, verse 27. And the Lord gives us this great kind of, just to finish off this, uh, this great thought. And everything about the Lord stems from this scripture. Everything about our walk in the Lord stems from this scripture. 
and it's it's worthy to be prayed over and meditated upon. And in, in uh, Luke uh, chapter ten, verse twenty-seven, it was it was spoken to uh, to a lawyer. He says, "The Lord said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and to love your neighbour as yourself." Everything stems from our love and respect to God. Everything stems from that. Make no mistake about it. You know, um, if you love someone, you do anything for them. If you love someone, you will hear their every word. If you love someone, you'll know all of their stories from childhood to where they are now. If you love someone, you've been in their embarrassing moments and you still love them. And, um, but you can't love someone you don't know. You can't love someone you don't invest time into. You can't, you know, and, and so it's very hard to love the Lord if we're not reading our Bible. It's his character. It's the way he does things. It's hard to love the Lord if we're not praying to him. It's hard to love the Lord if we're not being amongst his people. That uh, if um, a brother is needing to make a really hard decision at a pivotal moment in his life, that we are not asleep, that we are ready, we understand our responsibility. If we love the Lord, we start off with the same scripture here in Deuteronomy 30. You know, it says that thou may love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of days. If you love the Lord, it is obedient to, you know, it's easy to be obedient to someone that you love. It's, it's easy to make a good decision about free will if you love him, if you love her. It's, obedience comes easy. Second nature. If you love someone, you'll cleave unto them. You can't spend a day away from them. You spend a day away, you miss them. If we're away from fellowship, we miss a meeting, it feels like it's been an eternity when we get to the next meeting. If we love someone, and and Colossians says that we will find our life, we will find our identity. Sometimes we're a little bit confused. We're 50-50, half in, half out, and we're we're half full. And the the reason is, is because we haven't gone in boots and all. We don't understand, and Colossians says that uh, it says that our life is hidden in Christ, and when Christ appears, then shall you appear with Him in glory. And maybe there are sometimes when we need Christ to appear in our life. We've been pushing Him down, pushing Him down, pushing Him down, that He's either blurred or out of sight. But if you make Him appear through your actions and through your choices, then you will find your motivation. And the last part, and, and it says here that you will find length of days if you find the Lord, because the Lord is the one that holds eternity in his hand. And all the people said, Amen.